continue our study of 1 Corinthians. Tonight, we were doing something different. This is the first time we've done this this semester. We had a couple times last year we did this when we were studying the book of John. But we're having a testimony night. Now, what that looks like is I'm going to read the chapter that we would normally study, that I would give a lesson, or we would do a small group study over. And we're going to read through it all together. Um, and then we're going to have Mike Troth, who's going to share his testimony with us as it relates and see how the, the passage and his story intertwine and um, see what biblical truths that we can learn and um, seeing how they can be lived out practically um, in Mike's life and then see how we can practically live them out in ours. So if you have a scripture notebook with you, please open it to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And if you don't have your scripture notebook with you, if someone beside you could share with you, that you could help uh, read off of, um, do that. And if you do have your scripture notebook with you, uh, please make sure to underline, again, as always, things that stand out to you, um, things that you might have questions about that you can discuss in your small groups. And with those without scripture notebooks, make sure you continue to take notes during our testimony night um, as we continue our teaching series in 1 Corinthians. So, 1 Corinthians 4, hopefully everyone's there, has their pen ready. I'll start reading from verse 1. A person should think of us in this way, as servants of Christ and managers of the mysteries of God. In this regard, it is required that managers be found faithful. It is of little importance to me that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself, for I am not conscious of anything against myself, but I am not justified by this. It is the Lord who judges me. So don't judge anything prematurely before the Lord comes, who will, bring both, who will both bring to light what is hidden in the darkness and reveal the intentions of the heart. Then praise will come to each one from God. Verse 6. Now, brothers and sisters, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, Nothing beyond what is written. The purpose is that none of you will be arrogant, favoring one person over another. For who makes you so superior? What did you have that you didn't receive? If, in fact, you did receive it, why do you boast as if you hadn't received it? You are already full. You are already rich. You have begun to reign as kings without us, and I wish you did reign, so that we would also reign with you. For I think God has displayed us, the apostles, in last place, like men condemned to die. We have become a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to people. We are fools for Christ, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. Up until the present hour, we are both hungry and thirsty. We are poorly, poorly clothed, roughly treated, homeless. We labor working with our hands. When we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we respond graciously. Even now, we are like the scum of the earth, like everyone's garbage. Verse 14. I'm not writing this to shame you, but to warn you as, dear, as my dear children. For you may have countless instructors in Christ, but you don't have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. And this is why I've sent Timothy to you. He is my dearly loved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you about my ways in Christ Jesus, just as I teach everywhere in every church. Now, some are arrogant, as though I'm not coming to you, but I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills, and I'll find out not the talk, 
but the power of those who are arrogant. For the kingdom of God is that matter is not a matter of talk, but of power. So what do you want? Should I come to you with a rod or in love and a spirit of gentleness? Let's pray before Mike comes up and shares his testimony. Father God, thank you for uh, tonight and just all the students that are here. Thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would open our hearts and our ears to um, just have what you want us to learn tonight. God, I just pray for Mike as he is willing to share his testimony tonight and how you have worked in his life, currently working in his life, and how you've changed his heart to glorify you more. God, I pray that we would be attentive and um, just glorify you in our thoughts, actions, and words. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Welcome, Mike Troth, to the stage, please. Hi, y'all. I haven't, I haven't been to Hype since, I don't know, 2008, I think, was when my daughters were in Hype, and I was a Hype leader. So I think this is literally the first time I have been back. And that was... In a decade. Yeah, and that was uh, when we were at the ministry center. So Cross Point was like a really young church, and so we were at the ministry center, which was over there behind the Amico by the park. And so, yeah, yeah, come a long way since then. Yes. Well, thank you for joining us tonight, and thank you for being willing to share. Sure. So um, for those who haven't been to a testimony night before, what we like to do is we like to get to know the person um, a little bit about uh, who they are, what they, uh, where they've come from, kind of a little bit about um, their background and life. And so our first question that we have um, is, you know, what was your life like uh, before your relationship with Jesus? Describe, like, what was your upbringing like? What, where, where did Mike Troth come from? Sure. Okay. So before I do that, um, the question that you asked the hype was, would you rather have your parents embarrass you or would you rather embarrass yourself? So I will tell you that I embarrassed my daughter, Emma, at one time at the middle school during a basketball game at halftime. And I was coming off of the bleachers, if you've been to the Eureka Middle School, and I accidentally tripped and face-planted down about two rows. And she just happened to be watching the whole thing and just was so embarrassed. And she even still brings it up, even today. So um, it's oh great to have kids to tell you about the times that they've embarrassed, that you've embarrassed them. And actually, Emma was near Kent's age, so you might have been playing that day. Um, at the middle school. but Could have been. Anyway, so that's my story of embarrassing my kids. Um, so um, I'm not from here. Um, I actually grew up in New Buffalo, Michigan. Um, some of you have probably vacationed there. Uh, Warren Dune State Park, Indiana National Lakeshore. Um, I, know some of, I know some of you guys go up there in the summertime. That's where I, that's where I grew up. Um, my class size was 42. So that lets you know how big of a high school I had. It was very small. You pretty much knew everybody all the way through from seniors down to, down to freshmen. And the junior high was actually in the same building. And so you knew a lot of the, a lot of the kids in the junior high as well. Um, grew up playing baseball, played baseball all the time. Um, we had a lot of kids in our neighborhood at the time. So we played baseball during the summer, played uh, summer league. Um, we lived out of town. And so it was about a three-mile, four-mile bike ride to get to town to play baseball. Um, of course, as we always say, it was uphill both ways, so it was always a long ride. Mm. Um, I tell you all this because uh, growing up, I did a lot of things on my own. Um, my parents didn't, you know, give me rides to baseball. My parents um, 
uh, didn't come to baseball games or didn't come to basketball games when I played basketball. And so um, I was given a lot of freedom uh, growing up to, to do my own thing, um, which was fine. Um, my parents, um, my, uh, my stepdad was an uh, ex-Marine, um, so needless to say, he, uh, he was very firm in his discipline, and so I knew not to step out of line. But, but I was given a lot of freedom uh, and, and I had a lot of independence growing up. And so I think that affects my story later on, that, that independence. Um, so. Would you say you grew up in a believing home? Did your parents go to church? No. And, and no. Um, so my parents were not Christians. My mom would mention God offhand, but it wasn't like we read the Bible. We didn't have, you know, I didn't go to youth group. I didn't do, you know, in any of those things. So no, I did not, did not grow up with a relationship with the Lord at all. Yeah. So without having that family life to teach you the Bible or to be exposed to the gospel, what, what led you to know Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord of your life? Sure. So um, I moved down here um, in 1990. I believe, and um, I met my first wife a couple years later. We got married, had two, two beautiful daughters, um, but our relationship, our marriage was not based on anything biblical, and um, looking back on it now, I can't say that I knew it then, but looking back on it now, I realized that that independence that I had from growing up, really I carried into that first marriage. And, and I was very independent, and it wasn't uh, us, it was more like her and me. And so we, we stayed married for about eight years, and then unfortunately it, it fell apart because we didn't have that biblical foundation. Um, and so that was really, uh, that, that was the low spot in, in my life. Um, I can't tell you how hard it is to um, go from having a, a, a joint home, even though you, you, know, you may not be happy, but your kids are there and everybody's there, to going and having your own house and nobody is there. And so that was a very, very, very dark time for me. And, and so that, yeah, that was, that was a low spot of, of my life. Um, and shortly after that, then I started coming to Crosspoint because Crosspoint was founded in 2003, I believe. Um, and so that started, started my path, if you will. Yeah. Who invited you to Crosspoint? What was your connection? Actually, the girls were. Um, the, girls and, the girls and my ex-wife. So uh, my ex-wife, Kim, who still lives in Eureka, um, she had a friend who said, hey, there's this new church starting up at the ministry center or at the, the place by the Amico. Um, you know, you should, you should come. And so we always had an agreement that if the girls went to church, that, um, that the, we would make sure that they went to the same church every Sunday. And so I said, okay, you know, I'll make sure that, that we go. And so that's what, that's what started. So it'd be like a friend of a friend type of thing. Cool. So what? What? Um, so that was how you got involved with Crosspoint. Mm -hmm. What about the transformation of like getting to know Jesus personally as Lord and Savior? What What took place there? What were some of the key relationships or moments that happened in your life to understand Jesus as Savior and Lord? So um, when when we started, well, when I, when I started coming, um, 
I started to meet people in the church, in the congregation, and um, I got invited uh, after Brenda, you know, Brenda, Brenda's my wife, um, uh, we, we started joining a small group, and we got involved in a small group, and uh, I was blessed to have uh, someone named Alan Og. I don't know if um, the Og kids are much older than you, so um, you may not know them, but they live out in, uh, in uh, Goodfield. Um, him and I just hit it off as friends, and so we spent a lot of time together fishing and, and doing different things, but we also talked a lot about God, and we talked a lot about Scripture and, and different things. And so I really have to give him the credit for really teaching me uh, a lot about what Christian life looks like um, and, and, you know, really showing me what, what that means. And so I, I was really blessed to have someone like that to disciple me, if you will, um, in my walk. And so that's really what, what really started me, you know, started me on the path. So how would you say, like, how has Christ changed your life since your time of confessing him as Savior and Lord and uh, since starting a relationship with him? How has he changed your life? What are some evidences that, you know, the Spirit is living inside of you? Um, he's, <laughs> he's changed me a lot. Um, it's hard to even, um, and it, you look back on it and you, and you look and, and back at things you did and, and the things you used to be and, and you're, you're almost embarrassed um, to, to say that you were that way, um, that, you know, that, that I was more centered on me and more selfish. Um, and, and it's something that even today, you know, I, I struggle with, you know, I, I, it's something that the Holy Spirit is working on in me. Um, to, to try to not be, it's just me, but it's Brenda and I, and, and, and try to, I know that Brenda and I's uh, relationship is so much different and so much better because of that, because that foundation in Christ. Um, and so that's one thing that you never arrive at being uh, the perfect Christian. It's, it's always a journey, and it'll be a journey for your entire life until you meet him face to face. And so I, I am still on my journey and I am still, I am still changing and I am still have to uh, pick up my cross and, and, and take that every day. Um, every time I have a temptation to do something, I have to, I have to stop and, and uh, consult the, the Holy Spirit and God to make sure it's the right thing to be doing. Yeah. So as, as high, you know, just read First Corinthians chapter 4, right? It talks about, in the last couple of weeks, we've talked about how the Corinthians have viewed um, leaders in the church in an unhealthy, sinful way, so much that it caused, causes division. Um, can you relate at all? Like, uh, how has Jesus changed how you view yourself or how you view others? Um, can you relate with the Corinthian church a little bit on some of those things as we... Sure. Um that's probably one of the toughest things that we have as, as people, right, is relating to others. And we, unfortunately, we pass judgment on others, whether it's good or bad, whether you, um, you see somebody doing something wrong and you might think uh, poorly of them, or, or if somebody does something wrong to you and, and you're, you're offended by that, you're hurt by that, um, and, and then you, you don't give that forgiveness. Um, and so that's a, that's a tough thing, and it doesn't get any easier as you get older. 
Um, but it does get easier when you put it into perspective of the gospel and, and how much you've been forgiven. When you step back and you look at how imperfect you are and how many different things you have done and, and realize that those things offended God. And so God has given you that grace. God has given you that mercy through Christ. And so we are called as Christians to give that grace and mercy to others who may be hurting us because he, we are no better. Um, we try to be, but, but we're, we're not any better. Yeah, and, and that kind of goes into the next question because obviously when we become a Christian, like, yes, Christ saves us, the Holy Spirit changes our lives, but the, the reality is, is we don't live perfectly. We still sin, we still struggle, we still um, uh, fall into temptation. So how, how, is, how do you deal with sin differently now that you're a Christian as opposed to before knowing Christ? And can you relate at all to the Corinthian church, church and viewing yourself um, maybe in a prideful way or, or the reverse side of exalting others too highly? Sure, yeah. I mean, that's definitely something, as far as the church is concerned, um, we do tend to put pastors uh, on a pedestal, you know, and, and we think that pastors and, and elders are perfect people, but they're not. I mean, they're people just like us. Um, now, they, they may be further along in their walk with Christ, and, and so they're, you know, they're, they might be, um, you know, working harder at trying to walk with Christ, but they're still people. And, you know, if, if you pay attention, there's stories throughout the world almost every day of a fallen pastor or, or someone who has given in to sin. Um, and, and that's a win for the devil to try to take down leaders of the church. And so it is something that, frankly, everybody should be praying for the leaders of the church because they are a target. They, they are a target of Satan to try to bring them down because it, there's nothing better than to disrupt a church by taking down the pastor or an elder um, from, from their position because then it causes so much disruption in the church. Um, so that's definitely, you know, a, a need for, for prayer for that. So as you as an elder, so for those who don't know, Mike Troth is one of the, we have seven now. Yes. Seven elders of a church at Crosspoint that oversee Crosspoint that kind of help give direction to Crosspoint. So as an elder, how do you deal with the sin in your life, right? Uh, because, sure. again, we're all still very fallen people, sure. myself included. Sure. So, yeah. um, I mean, the first thing, obviously, is to recognize what, what sin is, right? And, and to know, understand what a biblical definition of sin is. So... Uh, reading your Bible and knowing what a biblical definition of sin is a big thing. Um, for me personally, when I feel tempted by it, um, the best thing is for me is to, to take my mind off of whatever it is. So um, if it's something that's going around in my head, um, then you know, picking, picking up the Bible and just reading a passage or reading any passage, um, but, it, but it, it refocuses your mind away from whatever that sinful thought or sinful desire is. Um, if it's uh, a sinful activity, maybe you're hanging out with friends and they want to do something that you know is wrong, um, the best thing to do is just leave. You know, make up an excuse or whatever. You don't feel good or whatever and, and, and just leave. And that may sound like something that only kids face, but you will face that type of temptation your whole life. Um, in my business, um, I travel, I used to travel a lot. I used to be on the road a lot and I used to travel with other people who were not believers. And, and of course, after work, you know, 
people would go out and drink and do things like that. And so it's easy to get pulled in to something that you may not want to do because of that peer pressure. And so peer pressure doesn't go away just because you get older. Peer pressure will be around you your whole life. And so you do need to find um, good ways to deal with it, no matter how old you are. And for me, the best way is to remove myself from, from the situation um, so that I don't have to face that temptation. Thanks for sharing. Um, so right now, we said this over and over again, but our student ministry has been studying 1 Corinthians. Mm -hmm. uh, what is one gospel truth that you would want students, middle school and high school students, uh, to know and to hold on to as they navigate life as a student, as a sibling, um, as an athlete, or as people just around that teenage uh, age group? So I thought a lot about this one, um, and I admit that... Saying one is not an easy thing. <laughs> I, and in fact, I, I couldn't. Um, for me, um, I kind of broke down into three categories because I had discipleship, friendships, and the battle against sin were kind of the three things that are key to my testimony. Um, and so for discipleship, and so I apologize. Uh, no, go for it. It's <laughs> totally okay. So for discipleship, um, I have Matthew 28, 18 through 20, which says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. So we're called to make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, that I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And that goes along with 2 Timothy 3:16 through 17, which says all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us about what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. And so with discipleship, that goes along with what I said before about knowing what sin is. And, and what you need to do to try to avoid it. Um, so I think 2 Timothy is a great one for that. Um, as far as friendships um, that I've had and, and the discipleship that came through those friendships, um, I have 1 Thessalonians 5.11, which says, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. And 1 Corinthians 15.33 through 34, which you'll probably cover in the yeah. future. Yep. Um, says, for bad company corrupts good character. Think carefully about what is right and stop sinning. And so those are calls to really choose your friends wisely. Choose the people you hang out with wisely because um, unless you're a strong Christian and you're trying to help a, brother, a fellow brother or sister, um, you're, you're trying to help them find God, it's very easy for you to get kind of drawn into whatever they may be dealing with. And so you have to be really careful where you want to help people, but you also don't want to get drawn into whatever it is that they're struggling with. And so walk, you know, tread carefully. Um, and then my last one, sorry. Oh, that's okay. Um, the battle against sin. I have, uh, I particularly like Romans uh, 6, 12 through 18, which says, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument for evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, 
for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean that we can go on sinning? Of course not. Do you realize that you become the slave to whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God. Once you were slaves to sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from the slavery of sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. So Paul calls us to turn away from sin. He calls us to live, try to live a righteous life. Um, again, it's a daily battle. It's gonna, you're going to fall down. There will be days where you fail miserably. But all you can do is repent, confess that to God, and, and, and try to do better the next time. And, and hopefully the Holy Spirit is working in you to, to help you in that walk. And that's such a good truth because we see in First Corinthians, like the Corinthians failed to have that solid foundation and um, it led to divisions and it led to a lot to sin. And we'll talk about in the next couple weeks, sexual sin um, inside the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so those are good gospel truths to remind ourselves. I mean, even at your age, middle school and high school students, like when, when Mike talks about discipling, like you're never too young to, to have somebody else to share the gospel with them mm-hmm. and to encourage them to have godly friends and to disciple someone else. You're never too young to do that, um, to, to share the gospel with Christ to those that you interact with on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a really good gospel truth to, to hold on to. Last question. So uh, we're almost done. What, what, what's some practical advice that you would give to our middle school and high school students on how to live uh, lives that glorify God? I mean, how can students live as servants of Christ in their, in their everyday life? Hmm. I think that goes back to the, the, last, you know, the last verse that I had read. Um, choosing friends at this age is so important. Um, you know, I, it's a tough time. It, this is, this is a, you're at a tough age. I understand the peer pressure. Um, I, you know, I lived through middle school. I understand the peer pressure that goes with uh, wanting to be liked, um, but also having friends that don't necessarily, you know, do the right things and can get you in trouble. And um, I've been in trouble before where I was just there. You know, I didn't necessarily participate in whatever it was, but I was with the wrong group at the wrong time and then we got caught and got in trouble for it. And so choosing your friends wisely so that, um, so that they're not leading you into temptation and, and that, that, that allows you to, um, to, try to try to stay away from sin. Um, and easier said than done, like doing that, right? Uh, but it is a challenge for anyone here. Uh, I mean, you think about some of the friend groups that you might have in school. Like, are they helping you become more Christ-like or are they leading you down a path that's more uh, driven by selfish desires, sinful desires. And what's really hard is to to realize that and then to say, you know, I'm going to actually start going, making a new friend group and, and surrounding myself with new friends because it's hard to switch friend groups, isn't it? Like it's, 
it's hard, um, especially if you're in a very popular friend group and you know that they're, they might not be uh, as solid as Christ followers. And you, you're like, well, if I really am serious about following Christ, I need to surround myself with good people. And that might mean, hey, I might have to start associating with someone who might not be deemed as popular right. in, the, in a school setting. And that's, right. that's hard to do sometimes as, as students when you talk about peer pressure and trying to be known. But like that's something that we're called to do to surround ourselves with good, uh, godly people, and I will tell you, it will benefit your life so much more, and I can relate to, to what Mike's talking about. I switched lunch tables, which is doesn't sound like a big deal, but in high school it was, um, from a group of students that talked, honestly, in high school, talked a lot about sex and drugs and alcohol, and it was negatively impacting my, my mindset throughout the day, and I switched tables to a, a group that wasn't as popular, um, and, you know, the, the wholesome conversation was just surrounded by, you know, like talking about the gospel, talking about the Bible, and just talking about our lives and things like that in, in a more biblical way. And just, I could just see in my own life, just transformation happened just by switching lunch tables um, from what people would have been the popular group to maybe a group that wasn't as deemed as popular, but was just beneficial for my soul. Mm -hmm. So I can totally relate yeah. on, on that. And I think that's great practical advice for each one of us here, um, no matter how old we are, to remind ourselves to surround ourselves with, to have community with, with godly people. So, uh, Mike, thank you for being open, honest, vulnerable. Thanks for sharing some of your life experiences, sharing where the uh, low points, the high points, how God's worked in your life. Um, we appreciate that. Uh, as we close our teaching time, what we always do is we would always like to pray for the people who share their testimony. So we're going to do that right now. So, um, if you would bow your heads, um, and if you would, uh, just to show a, si a sign of solidarity, a sign of uh, support, uh, and you can reach out your hand as we pray for Mike Troth as uh, he continues to uh, lead our church as an elder and uh, lead his family. So, let's pray. Father God, thank you for tonight, uh, and just thank you for Mike, who is willing to come here, willing to share, uh, willing to to, glor to glorify you instead of glorifying himself, to see how you're working in his life. God, I pray for Mike as he continues to be an elder, a leader in this church that we call home at Cross Point. God, I pray that you would uh, continue to draw him closer to you as he is continuing uh, teaching and showing others who you are and how much uh, they need you. God, I just want to pray as he continues to be a husband, continues to be a father, continues to be a co-worker, that he would glorify you in all that he does. God, I just pray that uh, as we learn from 1 Corinthians 4, that he would make much of your name instead of much of his. God, that he, you would be the center focus of his life um, and not his own agenda. God, we thank you for um, just his willingness to come tonight to our student ministry to share and be among us. God, we love you. We serve you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you give Mike a round of applause? Thank you. Thank you for listening.